Mark Drake is on a mission to train leaders around the world about the miracle and mystery of Christ living his life in and through all who will believe. Join us on this journey into the heart of the real new covenant and the transforming power of true grace. What we're going to be talking about is reading the Old Testament through new covenant eyes. One of the greatest changes in the way I viewed the scripture and the way I uh, literally understand God came about 15, 16 years ago when through a variety of circumstances I started to see that I had sincerely but mistakenly been reading the Old Testament the same way I read the New Testament. Now, there is an inherent problem in doing that. So what we want to talk about today is this. If we want to have the kind of life that they had in the first church, in the first century, the first generation of believers, we have to believe what they believed. If we're going to believe what they believed, we have to be able to read the Old Testament Scriptures the way they read the Old Testament Scriptures. I mean, when you think about it, we have our Bibles, and just by sheer page numbers, when you look at this, you realize that the Old Testament is more than twice as much as the New Testament. And yet the vast majority of writings in the Old Testament can be extremely confusing, especially for new believers. And I think that I have made a mistake in the past when I have said to new believers, well, you need to read your Bible, so just open your Bible at Genesis 1-1 and start reading. I don't think that's a good idea for a newborn Christian. Although, by the time they get to Leviticus, that they may solve their insomnia problem. <laughs> However, if someone were to do that, you, man, you, especially if you live in Alaska, you'd have to swear off crab, shrimp. Those are all unclean foods to Orthodox Jews. And on and on and on. Shiitake mushrooms. Can't have that if you're an Orthodox Jew. But... But so, so, so what do we do? How do we do this? Well, the idea is that if we're going to have the life that they experienced, we have to see things the way they saw them. Never losing sight that these original disciples, followers of Christ, were Jewish men and women grown up from their earliest age, memorizing what to them was the Scripture. It wasn't the Old Testament. It was the Scripture. So for us to be able to do that, we have got to ask the Lord to make an adjustment in our thinking. Now, here's what's going to happen in the next few minutes. I'm going to kick in the high gear right now. I am going to bombard you with Bible verses. Don't feel overwhelmed. We'll send them all out to you. Uh, and before we're done, by the way, I believe we're going to have a, an actual laminated card that's going to have all of these principles that are going to be available to you that you can have permanently and, uh, and you, can, you can be a Berean. Most of the Jews that Paul preached to tried to beat him to death, but the Bereans, it says, were more noble-minded. Why? Because they diligently sought the Scripture to see if what he said was so. And that's what we're going to do right now. Very quickly. All right, let's give us the, 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 the first one. Let's talk about the fact that when Jesus came, it's critical to understand that Jesus came under the law. 
the new covenant doesn't begin until Jesus ascends back to the Father and sends the Spirit. Because the new covenant is, I will put a new heart in you. The new covenant is, the Spirit who has been with you shall be in you. The new covenant is, take this bread and wine that represents me, open your mouth and take it into yourself. So Jesus came, according to Paul, Galatians 4, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, so that we might receive the full rights of sons or sonship. Now, it's not really new material for us because in the foundations workbook that we're using now throughout the church, and by the way, because of your giving around the world, section 8 is entitled, How Do I Feed on God's Word? And section 8 is all about understanding both the words of Jesus under the law and what they mean to us. And then section 9 is entitled, How Do I Understand the Old and the New? So if you've already done this yourself or taken somebody through it, you already know a lot of what I'm going to say today. But it is critical for us as believers in the new covenant to understand these truths. Now, here's the problem. When Jesus came under the law and he taught the people, the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, and in, uh, in the King James, it refers to lawyers. Those are not attorneys like we think of today, but people who dedicated their life learning the law of Moses, lawyers. But those people almost unanimously, not quite, but almost unanimously rejected what Jesus taught. They rejected the things that he said. They were confused. Nicodemus said, we see what you do, but we don't understand what you say. Now, the reason is this. Look at this. Jesus is talking to those people, the, the, law, the, the legal experts. You diligently study the scripture. Now, what would that be for them? The Old Testament. Because you think by them, the Old Testament scriptures, you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Now, what was their problem? When they read the Old Testament, they did not comprehend what the Old Testament was for. Now, understand that the Old Testament was real. To the people who lived in that day. The Old Testament contains the way God dealt with people in that day. But we're not living in that day. And neither were the people in the first century. There was the greatest cosmic transition that has ever been and will only be surpassed by the second coming of Jesus Christ where he once and for all puts down every power and restores paradise to the fallen creation. But the most important transition in all of history from the Garden of Eden to the second return of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus, is the transition from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. And it was a terrible challenge. And most of these guys did not comprehend, even though they were reading the same scripture that Jesus talked about. Now, here's what we have to do. We have to learn to think like the people who wrote the New Testament letters. Throughout the New Testament letters, they quote Old Testament scriptures. 
But when they quote the Old Testament scriptures, they use them as they have been fulfilled in Christ, the coming of the Spirit, the new life and new creation that we are. So we don't read the Old Testament the same way we read the New Testament. Neither did they. And that's what we want to see. Let's go to Luke chapter 24. We must learn to think like the people who were with Jesus and those of Paul's spiritual generation right after Jesus the way they thought. We have to learn to look at the Old Testament and say, what does this mean to me? I'm not under the Old Covenant. I'm not... don't know if any of us are genetic Jews. I'm not. Uh, I'm a, a raving Gentile. I'm a Native American Indian. But uh, so thank God. Thank you, Jesus. I appreciate it. You made two of one. It's, I'm really grateful. But what did it mean to them? You see, we cannot. Well, yeah, I'll just go ahead and say it. We I'll tell you, a whole lot of the end times teaching today gets so convoluted because we look at the headlines Rather than just reading the scripture and asking ourselves, if I were alive at that moment in history and read that letter, what would I think? And that's what we have to be able to do. Now, let me show you why. Luke. Now, understand the time frame of these two verse, uh, these two passages. Luke and Acts, both written by, by Luke. The gospel is written first as far as we know the Acts came later. The Acts is a history of the early church, primarily of Paul, once you get halfway into the book. But Luke gives us an insight about something that happened that's very, very important in our history and for us to understand. Jesus goes to the cross, he dies. On the third day, he rose again. That word on is important there, folks, because some uh, skeptics will say Jesus couldn't even prophesy his own resurrection because he did not get raised after three days and three nights. Well, he said, I will be raised on the third day. Very important to understand. But once he was resurrected, he stayed here in his immortal body, his body and spirit united. They recognized him. They interacted with him for 40 days. At the end of the 40 days, he takes him out to the Mount of Olives. He's caught up into the heavens. uh, And the angels say, the same Jesus that left like this will return like this again. Ten days later was the Jewish feast of Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. It was 50 days after Passover. It was on this day, ten days after he just went back to the Father, that the Holy Spirit is sent. And the new covenant is truly and fully in every way inaugurated for the rest of time as we know it. Now, in that 40 days, Jesus is resurrected. His spirit and his body is united. He's interacting with them just like a human being, but he is now immortal. He has not yet gone back to the Father. He spends 40 days. He's appeared to many different people. At one time, he appeared to over 500 at once. Paul said when he wrote his letters, most of these people are still alive today to testify that that was the truth. I saw him, touched him, talked to him, all that kind of stuff. Now, during those 40 days, he gathers his, his people, both men and women. He gathers his followers together, and he begins to teach them. What did he teach during that 40 days? Look at Acts 1 down here on the bottom. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. At the end of the 40 days, he ascended back to the Father. Ten days later, the day of Pentecost. Luke 24 gives us an idea of what he talked about during those 40 days. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe 
all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Now look at this. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scripture concerning himself. In that 40 days, Jesus took those men and women who had come to believe in him and stick with him through this terrible ordeal. And he began to open the Old Testament so that they began to look at the Old Testament differently than they had ever looked at it before. And everywhere they looked, who did they see? Jesus. They saw the Christ in everything. Come on, say, well, I don't know what that means, but that sounds good. All right, good, 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 good. So we must learn to think the way they thought. We must learn what Jesus taught them. When you look at the Old Testament, you must see Christ in shadow leading us to a substance in the new covenant. Now, what happened was those men and women who he met with and were taught as they begin to spread out across Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, and into the Gentile world, they simply preached Christ out of the Old Testament the way Jesus had taught them to read it. Now look at this, Acts chapter 10. Peter is speaking to Cornelius, Gentile, and to all of his servants and soldiers that are with him and his household. All, and this is Peter preaching Jesus to them. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, notice what this means for agenda for a Jewish man to say, a Jewish man who was taught the old covenant. And yet his interpretation now is all the prophets spoke about Jesus. Everything you see there, it is about him. It's about him. It's about him. And that was the gospel That he was preaching to them. Go to Acts chapter 24. This is Paul. And he is being, uh, he's been arrested. And he's given an account to one of the leaders. And he says, I admit that I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe, now look at these words. I believe that, I, I believe everything that agrees with the law and that is written in the prophets. Wait a minute. I thought Paul wrote to the Galatians and said, do not be circumcised. He said, if you get circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. Because you're putting your faith in a shadow that was real to them back then. But it's supposed to lead you to faith in Christ. Now, I thought when Paul wrote to the Romans, he said, look, if it bothers somebody to eat meat that's offered to idols when you're with them, don't offend them. As for me, I like meat. But I can also do without so that I don't offend anybody. But wait a minute. He says, I agree. I believe everything that agrees with the law and is written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men. That there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. How could Paul say that he agreed with everything in the law and the prophets unless he realized that all that came before was real to them? But that's not me 
to him now in the new covenant, everything in the law and prophets is fulfilled one way or another, whether we can figure it all out or not, in Christ. So Paul had no hesitation saying, I believe everything that's in the law. But he saw it through Christ, whom he says fulfilled the law on our behalf. He now is in heaven. There is a human being on the right hand of God who has kept the law perfectly for you. For you. There is a human being up there, my friend, who kept the law. So you and I would be empowered by a law keeper. <laughs> We're not empowered by good intentions. We're empowered by the resurrection spirit of Jesus who kept the law perfectly. So when we fail, we have already been given forgiveness in him. But we don't stop there. It's one thing to say, Lord, I'm sorry I sinned. But you've got to take another step further and say, but I don't want to stay like this. So let the power of grace transform me. Empowering me from the inside out. Look at the very end of the book of Acts. Acts 28. This is the very, very end of the, of the letter. And this is what it says. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. From morning till evening, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus. From what? From the law of Moses and the prophets. I'm a grace guy. Oh, you don't believe in the law. I do believe in the law. I do. But Paul used the law and the prophets to convince them of the new covenant. Well, then he had to see it very differently than he had seen it when he was an unconverted Pharisee. Now he sees it through new covenant eyes. Go to Romans 16. Let's have that one real quick here. This is the end of the chapter, right? This is just before what Josh read to us a few minutes ago. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, the mystery, Christ in you, Colossians 1, 27, 26, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is the mystery that he makes the Gentile and Jew into one man in him. That is a mystery which has been kept secret from long ages past, but now is manifest by the scriptures of the prophets. According to the commandment of God, the, uh, the eternal God has made known to all men leading to obedience of faith, not law, but obedience of faith. Again, Peter's gospel, Paul's gospel, those men and women's gospel was rooted in understanding that though the Old Testament was real to them, to us, it is shadow. That's not to minimize it. But it's to hold it correctly. It is shadow that is intended to both drive us and lead us to the reality in Christ. It drives us to Christ when we think somehow we can be good enough to be righteous before God in our own effort. The law drives us because it says, oh, no, you can't. You think it's this, but it's really this. You can't do that. But it also leads us when we say, God, how can I live pleasing to you? The law says you must go to him because this perfection is only found in him. So we see the Old Testament the way they saw it. We see that it was real for them. 
but it's shadow to us. And it is to teach us about the new covenant. Look at Romans 15. Well, we, 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 uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. I've jumped ahead here a little bit. Romans, uh, Romans 15, 4. I apologize here. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scripture, Old Testament at that time, we might have hope. See, those first century believers looked at the Old Testament for the teaching in how they could live the reality of Christ in their lives. What we then begin to realize is what they saw, that the the Old Testament is filled with shadows that are fulfilled by Christ and the new, the new covenant, Christ in us, living through us. So let's take a look. Colossians chapter 2. Now, again, don't worry. Uh, Colossians, sorry. Um, thank you very much. All right. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Now, you see he's talking specifically here about Old Testament uh, dietary laws. Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, seven main Jewish feasts we'll talk about in a moment, or a new moon, Jewish feast once a month, of a, once a lunar month uh, celebration, or a Sabbath day, the last day of every week. Paul says, don't let anybody judge you in those things because these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Well, does that mean you don't observe one day a week as the Holy Sabbath day and do absolutely no work? No, I don't. I still need to get rest because I have a fallen body and rest is necessary. But the one day where God finished work and rested is a sign to us that when we come to Christ, our feeble little human efforts to try to be good as God... We rest from those. We lay them down. We don't have a Sabbath day as believers. We have a Sabbath life. We're going to have a Sabbath eternity. Hebrews says there still remains a rest for the people of God. Israel didn't understand it because they didn't look at it with faith, the writer says. But then he says, but there still remains a Sabbath where he has ceased from his own works. And entered into the work which God is doing. This is a shadow to lead to the substance. Let's go through the book of Hebrews real fast here. Hebrews chapter 8. The point of what we are saying is this. I love that. That's the NIV. I just love that. The point of what we're... Open your eyes, you dummy. And <laughs> how many... Chapter 8. How many times do I have to say this? I'll, let me say it another way. The point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. You see the shadow and the reality right there? The tabernacle was real when those people lived in. But now in the new covenant, the tabernacle is something else. Every high priest is appointed to offer up both gifts and sacrifice, so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. But if he were on earth, he would not be a priest. That's referring to Jesus, could not have been a priest through the natural lineage because he was not a Levite. 
For there are already men who offer those gifts prescribed by the law. They serve in a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. You see, this language permeates the way they wrote, the way they talked, the way they believed. They looked at the real tabernacle and then said, ooh, there's a shadow there. What could it be? Well, interestingly enough, when John writes his gospel and he begins in chapter one and he says, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt literally is the verb form of the noun tabernacle. The literal rendering of that is the word of God came in flesh and tabernacled amongst us. What was the tabernacle? The place where God's presence resided. If you wanted to meet God, where did you have to go? To the tabernacle before the temple. You had to go to the tabernacle to have an encounter with God. Well, God comes in flesh. He now tabernacles among us. Of course, then we start talking about the temple. Then the scripture says, you are the temple. You. It's not a temple made by hands. It's you. You're the temple. That's where God is dwelling. We say this over and over again. You are God's address on the earth. Sure, in his, in his omnipresence, he's everywhere. But in his manifested reality, he is living in us. Who? Oh, sorry, I got to go. I'm looking at the watch. I got to I gotta go. <laughs> go to chapter 9. You can just go all the way through Hebrews and see all of this. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things, uh, I'm sorry, uh, to be purified with these sacrifices. The copies of the heavenly things. That's the real tabernacle. They purified it by real blood. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these physical, natural ones. That was Christ. For Christ did not enter a man-made sacrifice that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. There is a human being living in heaven for us. He kept the law perfectly, and then we are in him, and he is in us. Hebrews chapter 10. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never be by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year. Make perfect those who draw near to worship. All of that was real for them. For us, it is a shadow. A shadow is intended to lead you to something. I traveled on a trip overseas. Linda ends up staying home doing work for the ministry and taking care of the grandkids. I come back home. She picks me up at the airport. It's a sunny day. I step out with my luggage. She looks over in my vicinity. She sees my shadow. She does not embrace that. She follows the shadow to me. And whether you think I'm embraceable or not, she does. I do want to know. 43 years now, embraceable. Embraceable. All right, okay. All right, let's go on. Are you with me? Just making sense. Well, if it's not, don't say anything because I can't stop now, but I will be glad to talk to you afterwards. <laughs> All of the Old Testament was written for us to learn. I read that to you in Romans 15:4. for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Now, here is the great dilemma. Unless we really understand this, and I realize, I mean, some of you already know this. I mean, this is, it's not new to you at all. Some of you are saying, I'm, you know, I'm not sure. That's fine. That's, but here's the dilemma. That unless we understand this, 
there is a very real veil over our eyes that will keep us from understanding the truth, the reality of the indwelling Christ through the new covenant. Give me 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Listen to Paul, a Jew, who said, I love my countrymen, even though they beat me all the time. I love my countrymen. Listen to the cry of his heart. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses. Well, that's a, that's a pretty big deal for a Jewish Pharisee to say. Moses is not our model. Ooh, that's, that's a pretty big deal. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull. Why? For to this day, the same veil remains. When? When the old covenant is read. If I do not read the old covenant correctly, I will never be able to see the fullness of the reality of new covenant truth, Christ in me, living in and through. I will have a veil, and I've struggled with the veil, and no doubt still do in some ways, but I'm growing. It has not been removed, he says, because only in Christ is the veil taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. If anyone will see the new covenant and put their faith that Christ in me, the hope of glory, then the veil begins to to part. I begin to look at Old Testament scriptures, the book of Psalms. And it suddenly strikes me. You know, David... Somehow, by God's goodness, David had a revelation of intimacy with the Almighty God that you don't see in very many other writings in the Old Testament. Man, in the, in, in the Psalms, now they're not all this way. You know, I mean, Josh will be talking about, and later I'll be talking about, you know, like we'll talk about the ones like Psalm 3, where David says, God, see my enemies? I want you to kill them. But first, I'd like for you to knock all their teeth out. <laughs> then after that, go ahead and annihilate them. But I don't want them to go quick. You know, say, Whoa, what is this here? Jesus said, love your enemies and pray to bless those. It's about, oh, new covenant. On the other hand, there's an intimacy. Oh, like a deer pants for the waters of the brook. So my heart pants after you. Ooh, that is a new covenant intimacy that you could not know under the old covenant. But in the new covenant, any who receive him can know that kind of intimate relationship. Come tonight at six o'clock and drink a little bit. From more of that stream, the Holy Spirit who is in you, like a, a rushing water, drink from that as we worship together tonight. Oh, that's a new covenant reality that David got a glimpse of. He got a glimpse of it. He tasted a little bit of it, but it could only be a foretaste because the new covenant had not yet come. Next week, and again, please don't, you know, don't be frustrated if you feel like I've dumped way more on you because we will get you all this and, you know, it's just fine. We all have time. We're all right where we need to be in our journey. 
But here's what I'd like to do in closing. I, I, I want to read through, and this is, not, this is not a complete list by any means, and we will be giving you this later on, but I want you to think about some of these things. All of these things and many more in the Old Testament are shadows fulfilled in the New, and they are specifically referred to by New Covenant writers in the New Testament. Things like the Promised Land. It was real for them. It's something different for us. The chosen people, it was real for them. Something different for us. True Israel. When Paul used this phrase, the Jews beat him because to them it was blasphemy for him to say that Israel, that Gentiles could be part of true Israel. Sarah and Isaac, read the book of Galatians. Oddly enough, Paul relates Sarah and Isaac to believing Gentiles. He relates Hagar and Ishmael to unbelieving Israel. He was not an anti-Semite. He was a Semite. And he said in Romans, I love my people. Through them came the law and the prophets and the Messiah. But they must come in faith just like you to be true Israel. Circumcision. Okay, guys. We're going to ask for a show of hands. And since we've done the baptism, we have a knife back over here. <laughs> Circumcision is talked about in the New Covenant. You know, I used to think I was a really persuasive speaker until I read that in Galatians, Jewish Christians came to Galatia, spoke to grown men, and convinced them to get circumcised. Oh, no anesthesia. Yeah. Man, those were persuasive speakers. Let me tell you what, man. They need to be selling cars or something. I don't know, man. <laughs> the law. The law. Paul talks about it all the time. We know that. Look, it's not that we say, oh, the law is bad and the law didn't mean anything. All we're saying is the law is inferior. It always gets really quiet when I say that. And I understand why. But really, I mean, you want to spend your time and your money to help fund the church so that we have pastors and teachers to teach your children, don't murder? No, we want to teach them that in Christ, you can actually be empowered to love the one who wants to murder you. The law is not a miracle. The indwelling Christ is a miracle. Clean and unclean food. I like seafood too much to go for that. All right, let's go to the next one. The nation, something different in the New Testament. The priesthood, different in the New Testament. High priest, obviously Jesus in the New Testament. The tabernacle, the temple, the prophets. All of those things are referred to in their, in their proper place in the New Testament. Different than in the old. Shadows in the old, substance in the new. The high places, oh, there's so much spiritual uh, stuff that goes on today uh, where we're supposed to tear down all the high places. I got good news for you. When you really see the new covenant, oh, glory to God. When Jesus came out of the grave, it says he made a mockery of every principality and power. Everyone. He mocked them through his resurrection. Don't you just, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, Hi, hi, I've just been raised from the dead. You know, he just, no, he, he mocked them. He mocked them. I'm not gonna, I am going to say, if you've ever seen Braveheart, there's a particular scene of mockery in the movie Braveheart where they, you did, all right, all right. So, all right, okay. All right, let's go on quick. I'm sorry. Josh told me to go ahead and do that. I just want to be clear. I was not going to share that. Oh, I got to shut up. Okay. All right. All right. 
Ah, the nation of the priests of the manna. Ah, see, what have we got here? Uh, high, high places, manna, New Testament, Aaron's rod, New Testament. Going to the next one. The king. Well, that's fairly simple. The kingdom. Very important to understand. Jerusalem. The Jerusalem, the true Jerusalem, Paul says, is spoken of in the New Covenant. It is not the actual city of Jerusalem. The sacrifices, the first fruits, the ark, the mercy seat, the lamp, the consecrated bread. Are there any more? And the feasts. We have seven main major feasts. Day of Atonement or Passover. And, of course, we know Jesus was the lamb. Unleavened bread, feast of unleavened bread, feast of first fruits, feast of Pentecost or weeks because it was seven weeks. The feast of trumpets, the feast of tabernacles, Sabbath every week and the new moon Every lunar month and every one of these things, every one of these things was real and deeply meaningful for them. It is shadow to us, but it is deeply meaningful because it takes us to the new covenant truth in Christ. Can we go back to Colossians, please? Therefore, do not let anyone judge you. By what you eat or drink. Or with regard to a religious festival. A new moon celebration. Or a Sabbath day. These. Are a shadow. Of the things that were to come. The reality however. Is in Christ. May God. Help us. We don't have to be experts on all this stuff. They weren't. Most of them couldn't even get any place where it was written. They couldn't go to the bookstore. Most of them couldn't read. Only 3% of the population of first century Rome could even read. You don't have to be an expert in all this stuff. But you do have to realize that every time you read it, say to yourself, there's a shadow here. And I need to see the shadow not get caught up with a reality that is no longer real for the people of God. It is real when it's fulfilled in Christ. Father, we're so grateful that you are so so faithful my God your faithfulness your trustworthiness is the foundation for everything father we pray for ourselves right now that you would give us more and more and more new covenant eyes a lens through which we can see new covenant truth every time we open your book wherever we look Lord help us to see new covenant reality summed up in the person of Christ living in us. And this week, may we become infectious with the good news of your love and grace. As we bump into people this week, may we realize that when we speak about you and your goodness, it is like putting leaven inside a loaf of bread. It begins to infect. Make us infectious. In Jesus' name, amen. Join us on this new covenant journey at markdrake.org.